Well, I'm thankful for that blessed assurance. Amen? We have blessed assurance that we can follow the Lord and trust Him because He is a trustworthy God. I want you to join us as we begin our time of worship together and continue that by singing this great hymn of our faith. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Josh is going to start us off. But why don't you stand? And I'll bring you in when we worship together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. An heir of salvation, purchase of God. His spirit washed in his blood. Let's sing together. This is my story.
Church family doesn't get any better than watching people be baptized at the beginning of our service. It doesn't get old seeing people come to Jesus and to follow him in obedience to show others that, hey, I've been changed. I've been made new in Christ. And by going in the water and being made clean and new and whole and fresh to let others know that they love Jesus and that they serve a risen God. It just doesn't get any better than that at all. Amen. Well, we want to welcome you here to First Baptist Church. And if you're a guest, we ask that you take out your blue communication card that's found in your worship guide. Fill it out, and at the end of the service, if you're a first-time guest, our pastor, Stuart Holloway, will be out in the back, and he has a book to give you. It's his book, The Privilege of Worship. And he would love to be able to get to know you and see how we can minister best to your family and just pray with you. If you have prayer needs, fill that out as well. Our prayer ministry um, prays for those throughout the week. And us as a staff, we pray for those on Tuesday in our staff meetings as well. We are glad that you are here to worship our risen Savior this morning. Pray with me, please. God, thank you for bringing us in your house to worship this morning. It is a privilege to be able to be here and worship you freely because we know around the globe there are believers that don't have that opportunity, Lord God that they could possibly die because of their faith. They could be disowned from their families because of their faith, and yet they still choose you and choose to follow you. Lord, meet with us this morning. I already feel such a sweet, sweet presence in this place, Lord God, and we know that you are here working and moving in the hearts and lives of the people in this building, Lord God. But God, may we not leave what we learn here today. May we take it out and share it with the world, bringing people to you and showing them that you love them and you have a plan and a purpose for their life, Lord God. God, speak through Stuart today. Give him the words to say that, that we, your people, need to hear. Use our worship team, our choir, our instrumentalist to bring people to the feet of Jesus this morning. May you receive our, our worship as a sweet sound of praise and an offering to you this morning. For in Jesus' name I pray, amen. of the Indescribable. 
Christ is able today. Amen? He is able. Whoever you are and whatever has brought you to this place today, I want you to know this. Jesus loves you. And he is able. 
He's able to know who you are and whatever you're going through. He has a plan for your life. I pray that you know him today. Would you stand together with us as we sing? And let's declare that today. Christ is able. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, come ye wounded, weak and poor. There's a harbor for the broken, where the hopeless are reborn.
please join me in prayer. Dear God, thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day and the opportunity for each one of us to come together as a church family to worship you. And please bless all our guests who are with us today. And be with Pastor Stewart as he brings the message today that he will speak to the hearts of each one of us here, that we will better understand the love that your son, Jesus Christ, has for each one of us and the joy and peace that his love brings. Bless the gifts that we are about to receive, that you are about to receive, that they may be used to help those in need, to support the ministry efforts of our church here at home, around our state, and in the nation, and help spread the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. It is in his name I pray. Amen.
Amen. I love that song since the first time I ran across it several years ago. It came out of uh, Liberty University and Thomas Road Baptist Church and uh, saw it on social media one time, cycling through and uh, ran across that. And it's one of those I return to, Kevin, quite often when I need a little just mm, time of worship. And so uh, you can search that God of the ages and you'll find it, be able to worship on your own sometime this week. As we begin today, I wanted to share with you some great news of what God's doing. He is the God of the ages and working. And as you know, for the last couple of years, we've been helping a point of life church in Plosheville with their church plant. They recently, as of last week, opened their uh, new sanctuary and new building. And those orange chairs are our old orange chairs. We were able to ship those off to them. Uh, and yeah, give the Lord a hand. And um, they took, I don't remember, 100 or so chairs. They set up about 60 or so last week. And look there, they had 54 people in Easter last week. They've been running 10 or 12 uh, every week. And they had a little bitty building not much bigger than this platform that they were meeting in before. It's one of those little kind of temporary deals you move in, and they are so excited to have that building. So continue to pray for Point of Life and Pastor Norris and Miss Donna Landry as they lead that great work. And then I want to tell you about something great that we have available to you now. It's called Right Now Media. As our church's gift to you, we have uh, paid to put in everybody's hands Right Now media. And uh, you should have received an email maybe on Friday or so about that. If you didn't get that, there's another one going out this week. If you didn't, don't get that. Email uh, Marie Dunning in the pastor's office. It's pastoroffice at fbcpineville.net and we'll get you the link that you need to be able to sign up for that. You can download the app on Android, iPhones, uh, Roku, Apple TV. It's all there and there are 18,000 videos available for adults, children, youth, all kind of great things, Bible studies going way back old stuff to new stuff, even the studies we've done in recent years are on there. And we're looking to be able to use this in addition to the things we're already doing in our church for different kinds of discipleship. We're putting this in your hands for your own personal discipleship, your own family life. Uh, you want to uh, get a little uh, thing on financial uh, direction, you can do that. Something on marriage, something on Bible study, a certain book of the Bible, all of it's out there. And just to give you a little more information, we've got a video that explains a little bit about right now media. Fred? Our church is a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. Every believer is called to make a difference in the world, to love God completely, and to make disciples of every nation. But in this busy, mobile, noisy world, it can be difficult to even do the basics, to pray, to read the Word, to bring the love of God to our marriages, families, neighbors, and co-workers. We know you're here because you want to be a part of God's mission on the earth. You want to experience the abundant life that scripture talks about. You're looking to connect your faith to every part of your life, every day of the week. That's why our church is subscribing to Right Now Media and making it available for free to every member of our church. You'll have access to over 10,000 online Bible study videos on parenting, marriage, finance, discipleship, leadership, and many more. The videos can be used in Bible study groups or for personal devotion. There's also a huge library of safe biblical kids videos. We'd love to see every member of our church utilizing Right Now Media. Small group leaders leading their adult or youth groups through engaging Bible study series. 
children enjoying safe programming that doesn't just entertain, but helps lay a strong spiritual foundation. Families spending quality time together, going through devotional Bible studies. Couples using biblical studies on marriage, parenting, and finance. Applying God's Word to every area of their lives. There is something for everyone. We want to help you grow as a disciple of Christ, and we want to help you become a disciple maker in your home, your school, your workplace, your neighborhood, in whatever mission field God has called you to. We believe that this free resource will help equip and unleash you to live out your faith in every area of life, to experience God-centered, abundant life, not just on Sundays, but every day. We are for you, and God is for you. He wants to empower you every day to live for Him. Together, we can be a light in the darkness, a city on a hill. Pretty cool, right? You can take that if you want to lead a Bible study at work or you want to go to a coffee shop or something, get some Wi-Fi, your iPad, tablet, pull something up. You could lead a group right there looking at video. There's downloadable uh, teaching resources. Most of those are free. Then there's sometimes you have to buy a book or something, but most of the things you don't need any of that for. We're providing that for you uh, from the gifts that you give. So this is a because you give kind of thing. This is something the church is to give back to help you in your growth and spiritual growth. We're going to be using that in some of our home groups in the future as well and some other activities here at the church. So please make use of that and mind its depths. There's a lot of stuff there. As we prepare to hear from God God's word this morning. Would you go to the Lord with me in prayer? Lord, we come before you today, and as we encounter your word, Lord, we're going to be looking at a passage that challenges us to be right with you. And so, God, I pray that um, if anyone here has yet to settle their relationship with you, Lord, today would be the day when they get that settled. Lord, may today be the day of salvation. Lord, for those of us who are believers, I pray we would be bolstered in our faith, that you would renew to us the joy of our salvation as we are reminded of what you do for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are going to die. You are. You are. You are. I am. You're going to die. Hickson's, Kramer, Gallagher, Rush. You take your pick, but we're all destined for one of them. You are going to die. Isn't that a great way to start a message? <laughs> Some of you might have returned after Easter and you're like, I'm not coming back to this church again. <laughs> what if I started like this instead? You can live forever. Eternal, everlasting life can be yours. Oh, you'll face physical death, but you don't have to be fearful of it. Your body will even make it to one of the funeral homes, but you, you won't be there because you will be more alive than ever, and such life can be yours. Isn't that a better way to start a message? <laughs> Some of you already have this everlasting life. Yeah, one person claps excited about that. Thank you. <laughs> Some of you already have that eternal life. You know with 100% certainty that if you died today, 
you would immediately be in heaven and enjoying the presence of the Lord forever. You're so confident that you have no fear in death, though you're not necessarily wanting to make a you know, ride right today, but there's no fear in death. You know where you're going to spend eternity. And you're settled. But others of you kind of wonder. Uh, you're not 100% sure that if you died today, you would go to heaven. In fact, death scares you. And eternity scares you. This morning, to those of you who are certain of your salvation, I want to encourage you to rejoice in what salvation means for you. For those of you who are uncertain, I pray that at the end of this message, you can settle forever that you are ready for eternity. When we come to the end of this message, I'm going to ask you, to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted him before, I'm going to ask you to do that. And then we're going to have a time of invitation, a time of response. We're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. I'm going to ask you then to come and to let me know about that decision to trust Jesus Christ. And you say, well, Pastor, that makes me real nervous about going forward. We do that for a number of reasons. The first reason we get you to come forward is it seals that moment in your mind. You see, the enemy wants to talk you out of stuff. And so if you just say, well, I made a commitment to standing there in church, but you don't make some kind of effort to, to show that to others, the devil could say, ah, oh, you didn't really do that. It's not really that important. So it seals it in your mind. Second, you show Jesus that you are unashamed of him. You see, if you can't stand for Jesus in here, there's no way you're going to stand for Jesus out there. Because we're all on the same team. Out there, the world's against you. And the third reason we encourage you to come forward is it encourages you in your decision. Because we're all on the same team. You know what I see every single time someone makes a decision for Christ in this church? <laughs> Woohoo! People celebrate. It's like a touchdown. It's better than a touchdown because it lasts forever. And so we celebrate that and we want to celebrate that with you. So as you listen to this message, listen to what the Lord wants you to do today. If you haven't already, turn in your copy of God's Word to John chapter 5 verses 19 through 20. This is our third message from this chapter and we'll have another one next week. Uh, one of the interesting things about John's gospel is sometimes you have these great miracle stories and then you have these rather long theological discourses uh, that Jesus speaks or that John has included so that we can understand a lot of theological information about who Jesus is and what he's all about. I'll preach two messages just from the letters in red that run from verse 19 to 47 over the next two weeks because it's packed full of stuff. In fact, we could spend weeks just preaching through and mining the depths of these verses here, but that's not the focus of a Sunday morning message. The focus of a Sunday morning message is to get the golden nugget, the take home, the thing that applies to all of us. Uh, going really deep is a, a time for a Wednesday night Bible study or a precepts class or even in a Sunday school class if you have time to do that to really mind the death. But today we want to pull out the key truth. What is the golden nugget that can change our lives and apply to our lives right here, right now, today? That golden nugget out of this passage, I believe, is this, because Jesus is who he says he is, you can have everlasting life and avoid 
condemnation. That's what these verses are saying. Because Jesus is who he says he is, you can have eternal life and avoid condemnation. This discourse that Jesus launches into comes immediately after the healing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. We talked about that story several weeks ago. This guy had been lying on his mat for 38 years, hoping for healing. And finally, Jesus came up to him and asked, do you want to get well? And the man replied, well, duh. That's the shortened version of that. (laughs) So Jesus told the paralyzed man to take up his mat and walk, and he did. And because the event happened on the Sabbath day, the pompous, pious joy suckers, they got really mad at Jesus. But they were also ticked at Jesus because in that whole story, in his reply to them, he likened himself to the Father. In fact, he said that God was his own father. And that was way too personal for the religious elite of that day. In fact, saying that meant that Jesus was equating himself with God. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. And that's exactly why the religious leaders had a really hard time with Jesus. And so in our passage today, Jesus explains a little more of what he means. I mean, once you tick someone off, you might as well just go ahead and tick them off some more, right? That's basically what Jesus does here. He doesn't mean to tick them off, but he does want to explain to them who he is, what he's all about, and why he came to the earth. And we pick up in verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to show to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. Notice how Jesus begins this statement, I tell you the truth. Or if you have the old King James Version, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Right? When I would read that as a kid, I'd be like, what in the world? Verily, verily, I say unto thee. What does that mean? Even I tell you the truth, what does that mean? Well, Jesus is getting their attention. He's saying, listen up. He's saying, I'm about to tell you something that's important that you don't know. And maybe it's even contrary to what you've already always thought, but it is the truth. So he says, listen up. Truly I say to you, or verily, verily I say to you, or I tell you the truth. And notice something about that. I tell you the truth. In fact, I want you to circle that you. Because while he's speaking to those people 2,000 years ago, he's also speaking to us. And he says, I tell you the truth. This is personal. This is applicable for today to you. Pay attention to what Jesus is saying. John has it here for a reason so we would get it. And Jesus says, I do all of these things just as The father does, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. You know, every father who has a son has had his son work or play or do something alongside him to to learn something. That's how we sons learn. I learned a lot of things that I know by working alongside my dad. 
Over the last two weekends, not this weekend for sure with the weather, but my nine-year-old Zach and I took out my dad's boat to some local lakes and hadn't been out on the water in several years, I'm sad to say, and we wanted to make sure everything was working after getting it fixed this fall. And uh, Zach helped launch the boat and, and get and load the boat, but what Zach really was most excited about was driving the boat. Now, that was not in my original plans. I was going to drive the boat, we were going to fish, he was going to help load and launch and all that stuff, but you know, when a nine-year-old gets in a boat, and a nine-year-old watches how to drive that boat, the nine-year-old thinks, I can drive that boat. And you know, that wasn't in my original plans because, you know, I never asked my dad to drive the boat, frankly because I was scared to ask my dad if I could drive the boat. <laughs> I didn't drive the boat till I was in seminary. <laughs> But when my nine-year-old asked, Daddy, can I drive the boat? I thought, you know what? I wanted to when I was a kid, but I just never would ask. I said, okay, watch what I'm doing. So I taught him a little bit. We have a stick shift, stick steer. And then I said, okay, you get up in the, in the captain's chair there. And here's what you do. And, so he, and I stood right by him going slow. And then I sat down behind him and I said, okay, you take it. Zach drove the boat. I prayed. And... Uh, <laughs> To other people, I got us way out in the middle of the lake to make sure there's nobody around. And, and the people, you know, people fishing probably looked over and they're like, what kind of spastic drunk is driving that boat over there? Because <laughs> we'd surge forward and then we'd go real slow and stop. Or we were doing donuts out in the middle of the lake and all kind of stuff. But we had a, but we had a great time. And, and that's how sons learn from dads, right? You watch, you get helped, and then you fly solo. Jesus had learned carpentry from his earthly father, Joseph, in Nazareth. He'd learned it that way. And now Jesus applies that same idea to his work as the Son of God. He says, I can do nothing that I haven't seen the Father done. But then he takes it a whole step further when he says, the Father and the Son do the same things. The Father and the Son do the same things, meaning we have the same authority. And by the way, you haven't seen anything yet because to your amazement, the Father is going to show me even greater things than these. So with these statements, Jesus makes a huge, direct, clear claim to the religious leaders who were listening. He's saying, I'm equal with the Father. Jesus is equal with the Father. That was huge. Uh, no one had done this before. No one had dared do this before. But Jesus did, and it was a big claim packed with meaning. Before Jesus, God seemed a little distant, far off, removed. But in Jesus, God came down to us. He became incarnate, meaning he put on flesh he walked among us. He lived among us. And through the Son, we get to know the Father like never before. If you want to know how God relates to people, look at how Jesus related to people. If you want to know what God thinks about sin, look at how Jesus related to sin. If you want to know what links God will do to have a relationship with you, look at how Jesus related with people. If you want to know what God says, look to Jesus. 
The words of Jesus are the words of God. The actions of Jesus are the actions of God. The mind of Jesus is the mind of God. Jesus is equal with the Father. And this claim has some amazing implications for us. Remember how I said the golden nugget is because, it is that because Jesus is who he says he is, you can have everlasting life and avoid condemnation? Well, if Jesus is equal to with the Father, it means two things for us. The first is that Jesus has power to give life. Look at verse 21 there. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. You see, the Jews believed that God was the giver, sustainer, and taker of life. No one else had that power. For instance, Deuteronomy 32, 39 says, See now that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal. And no one can deliver out of my hand. 1 Samuel 2, 6 says, The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. Well, here Jesus claims that same power over life and death as God did in the Old Testament. And later in the gospel, Jesus is going to say, I am the resurrection and the life. So if they miss it here, he's going to make it abundantly clear a little bit later. Have you ever thought about this? While many claim the power to heal, no one claims the ability to raise the dead except Jesus. Nobody. Have you ever seen a televangelist say, Bring your dead and I will heal them. No. Some of them have healing ministries. Some of those are legit. Some of those are not. But not a single one will claim they can raise the dead. Why? Because they can't. Every year, brilliant medical professionals make advances in health care. And many of those advances prolong life. But they've yet to find a way to raise the dead. Every day, doctors have to say, there's nothing more we can do. Never have I been in a room when someone passed away and the doctor said, oh, don't cry. Hang on a minute. We can bring them back. Never. And it's never going to happen. But Jesus says, The Son gives life in whom he is pleased to give life. Chuck Swindoll has said, Man can give medicine when sickness comes, food when hunger comes, help when weakness comes, love when loneliness comes. But when death comes, man can give only sympathy, only compassion, never the gift of life. Only God can do that. And there are two ways that Jesus gives life. The first way Jesus gives us life is now. I don't mean physical birth, though God's certainly involved in that. As the psalmist said, he knit us together in our mother's womb. But I'm talking about Jesus gives us spiritual life. None of us is really fully alive until we are born again. None of us are. You may have what seems to be a a pretty good life without Jesus, but you're not fully alive until Jesus comes into your life. Because when you are saved, everything changes. 
you change, your relationships change, what brings you pleasure changes, your priorities change, and, and your purposes change. And if you want to know what it means to truly live, then give your life to Jesus because he gives you life now. But second, God also gives you life. Jesus also gives you life later. There's much more to life than this life. This is not all there is. I'm reminded of this when I visit homes where a, a saint is preparing to die. And when I meet with the families to prepare funerals for the Christian loved one, I'm reminded of this as well. The, the family members will say how as their, their loved one was preparing for death, they would see people who have gone before. And the first time I heard that, it's a little creepy, you know. But then as I started listening to the stories, I realized some things. They never see people who are alive. They never see Aunt Susie who lives in Ohio but just isn't here. They see Aunt Susie who died 10 years ago. And they never see people whose faith was questionable. They always see people who were followers of the Lord. And I don't know what to make of all of that other than this. There's more to life than this. Not long ago, a hospice care worker even told me that she can sometimes tell whether a person she's caring for is a believer or non-believer in how they die. She said there is often a lot of pain and even grimaces from a non-believer. And I'm seeing people who've worked in that shaking their head, yes. And then there's much more peace for a believer. And again, I don't know what to make of that other than what the Bible tells us. That that non-believer is slipping toward hell and that believer is transitioning to heaven. And there's a big difference in those two places. After this life ends, for the person who has accepted Jesus Christ, there opens life still more full and still more wonderful. While for the person who has refused Jesus Christ, there comes that death, which is eternal separation from God. And there's more to life than this life. And Jesus came to give us life now and later. For Christians, just so you can hang on something... Life is a bit like a pack of now and later candy. That candy's named that not just because it, it uh, as it says, it's a long-lasting chew, but originally the marketers, the candy manufacturers, sold it in those smaller packs, and they said, well, you can eat a couple now and a couple later. You don't have to eat the whole pack. And then now we eat this kind of pack. But now and later, there's something now, and there's something later. Through Jesus, believers get abundant life now and eternal life later. You see, salvation is all part of the same pack of blessing that you get when you trust Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, you can have the whole pack. Because of Jesus, you can have everlasting life. But there's even more to it than that. We said because Jesus is who he says he is, you can have everlasting life and avoid condemnation. So the second thing that comes out of Jesus being the equal with the Father is Jesus has authority to judge us. Now you hear that and you think, well, that, that doesn't sound too good. I don't know if I want Jesus judging me. Well, hang on. Look at verses 22 through 23. 
Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. See, not only did the Jews see God as the giver, sustainer, and taker of life, they also saw him as the judge of all the earth. Uh, in Deuteronomy 1.17, we read, Do not be afraid of any man, for judgment belongs to God. So Jesus went so far as to say in verse 22 that the Father has entrusted all judgment to him. He's delegated it all to him. And everyone is going to face judgment. What you have done with Jesus on earth will determine how that judgment goes for you. Look at verse 24. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Again, circle you. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. How you are judged then depends on what you do with life now. Whoever hears my word, believes him who sent me, has eternal life then and will not be condemned. So not only can you have life now and later, but your now determines your later. This life determines that life. This life determines eternity. So what do I mean by that? Do I, I mean that if you, if you live good in this life, you build positive karma for the next life? No. It's a lie of the enemy to keep you distracted from the truth. Do I mean, well, if you live a good life here, you'll probably get to go to heaven? No. That's a lie of the enemy to try to keep you distracted from the truth. What does this say? Jesus says in order to have eternal life, you need to hear his word and believe on him who sent me. Believe in the word and believe on him who sent me. What does that mean? Well, first it means that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That he is the Christ, the son of the living God. That he wants to heal you just like he healed that paralytic. He wants to raise you up from a blasé, wasted life and give you real life now and eternal life later. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He's willing that no one should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. So the question is, do you believe that about Jesus? Do you believe that about him? You see, either Jesus is telling the truth or he's a liar. There's no in-between. But if Jesus is a liar, he's also a lunatic. Because you can't claim to be God unless you are God or you are absolutely crazy. There's no in-between there. But if Jesus is a lying lunatic, how do you explain all the change he has brought in people's lives? How do you explain the change he's brought in many of our lives? Jesus is who he says he is. He can bring change to you. The second thing I think that means that you believe 
his word and on him who sent him is that hearing his word and believing on him means you bet it all on Jesus. That's where that belief is. You bet it all. Now, I'm against gambling except when it comes to faith. Because to me, that's the only good gamble. The French philosopher Blaise Pascal came up with something called the great wager. It basically said either Jesus is right or the world is right. Think through this with me. If Jesus is right and I go with the world, then I lose everything. Right? If Jesus is right, but I buy what the world's selling, I lose everything. I'm going to hell. Second, if Jesus is wrong and I go with the world, I gain nothing. Even if Jesus is wrong and I go with the world, this life's all there is, or maybe you get karma, or maybe, maybe, oh, what's going to happen? Who knows? I, what's that? Who wants that? I gain nothing. But third, if Jesus is right, and I go with Jesus, I gain everything. That seems easy to me. Put all the cards down. Put all the money out. Bet it all. Bet the farm right there on Jesus. I use that idea of betting it all because faith is an all-in act. You can't kind of believe in Jesus. You either believe in him or you don't. You either follow him or you don't. And for those who believe, they will get eternal life and will not be condemned in the judgment. There will be nothing to judge for all the sins that will be forgiven. So there's no fear in death. There's no condemnation. We sang about all that last week as we celebrated Easter. However, things will not go that way for those who do not believe because if they turn from Jesus now, they'll lose everything and they'll face Jesus in that judgment then. Look at verses 28 and 29. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Now you can say, well, pastor, it says those who do good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So, so that seems like, like I need to live right and that'll earn my salvation. That's not what Jesus is saying here. The good that he's talking about refers back to the believing on him and believing his word, not to any kind of action. That is the good you do by believing on him, by believing his word, putting your faith in him. Any kind of right living comes out of your relationship with Christ. It's an outgrowth of it. So the good that has been done. It's not works, but it's living out verse 24. There are three facts about a final judgment that are clearly stated in this passage. One is there will be life after death. This life is not all there is. Second, every person will be affected by the judgment. And you got to decide how that judgment's going to go for you now. And third, humanity is going to fall into two, only two categories. The saved and the condemned. It's the only two categories. So the question today is into which category do you fall? 
If you're in the saved category, you know with 100% certainty that if you died today, you would enjoy eternal life. You know that because Jesus has brought transformation into your life. You know that because there was a time where you trusted Jesus Christ and you followed through with baptism and you've been walking with him ever since. Has every day been perfect? No, you've fallen, you've sinned, but you know God is with you. He's guiding you through that. But if you're not 100% certain, then you need to make sure you are certain. The longer I pastor, the longer I live, the more I realize we're only guaranteed this second, not even the next. And that's just the reality of the thing. I'm not doing a sales pitch. I'm not doing a scare thing. It's just the reality of it. Anything can happen. So we need to make sure that we're right with the Lord. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You may have been sitting in a pew for a long, long time, but you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can I encourage you today to trust him and accept him? And you do that very simply. We talk about it almost every week. That all you must do is admit that you're a sinner. Know that you need him to come into your life. Believe on him. Believe that he is who he says he is. That he can come into your life. He can take that sin away. He can forgive you and wash you clean. And then confess him before others. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You will be saved. Would you do that today? And make that decision. That's the focus of the invitation today. And in a moment, we're going to, after I pray, we're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. And I'd invite you to come and say, Pastor, I'm trusting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior today. I want to follow him in obedience. My life from this point on is going to be forever different. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you this morning and I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the challenge and the instruction you've given us towards salvation today. And I pray, Lord, for those in this room who've yet to trust you. I pray, Lord, that in this moment, they would ask you to come in their heart. That in their own words in this time, they would ask you to forgive, you, forgive them of their sins, to come in and save them and be the Lord of their life. Lord, may this be a life-changing day for them, an eternity-changing day for them. And Lord, then we look forward to rejoicing with them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would eliminate distractions and help us to hear from you right now. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.